0: And this is the Air of Grievances podcast This is a mini This is a sacrilegious sermon Is the the name that I'm giving To this new uh, kind of semi-segment mini that I'm doing here I'm going to be reading some scripture And uh, giving a little bit of commentary From an uneducated perspective That I happen to own my very own self No mortgage, no down payments It's all mine I do want to preface this by saying that... And and this is just me addressing the version of Christianity. Because Christianity is not a nuclear thing. It is not a finite, definable thing. It is a scope. It is a... I mean, it shouldn't even be a, a freaking term, I guess. I don't know. But this is me addressing the Christianity of my youth that I was taught. I'm not attacking anybody. I guess, to be more specific, this is me addressing my understanding of the Christianity of my youth. But, I feel like I have to preface this by saying that any religion, any person who subscribes to a religion or set of beliefs that says, there's nothing that we can do to achieve the favor of our Creator. There's nothing we can do to earn our salvation. But... We have to accept Jesus Christ, this man, as the creator of the universe, who died and then was brought back to life magically. There's nothing we can do to achieve our salvation, but you've got to be in this club. I mean, you can go ahead and say, yeah, you've got to earn your salvation by converting Christianity and by following these rules. That's fine. You can say that. But you can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't say, there's nothing we can do, but there's all this shit we have to do. And... Sorry, Drew. I'm sorry, man. I'm just... I'm voicing what's on my mind right now. I'm not coming after you. I'm not coming after anybody. I'm just vocalizing what's inside my head. To say that it is 100% predestined and the elect, have been chosen, then life is nothing more than watching a movie. There's no participation, there's no choice. It's not a video game, which in itself is limited in in the, the levels that you go through, and the options that you can choose, and the progression that you can follow. It's not even that. It's you sitting and watching a movie that's already been filmed, already been edited, already been determined, the ending has been written, and you're just watching it. And if that's what you believe, that's fine. But acknowledge it. That's all I can ask. I'll be honest with you guys. I'm, I'm surprised that I'm so worked up because I did go and see my new uh, psychiatrist today, and, and she's amazing. She's freaking amazing. I know people are always gone on about how, how great therapy is and working on yourself... And your mental health, uh, but you know what? The rhetoric is true. It's true. Get your, get yourself a therapist. <laughs> Go get yourself a therapist, yo. I'm going to start reading here in First Corinthians six nine, and my intent is to provide two different sides to an approach to cherry picking from the Bible. So, in this minisode, in this sacrilegious sermon, I'm going to provide the perspective of one side of the coin, and then my intent is to go and provide, and fully back up as well as I can, the other side of that coin. So, I'm going to start here in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. You know what, maybe I should back up a little bit, maybe I should give some context. To have lawsuits at all with one another is already a defeat for you. Why not rather suffer wrong? So, to pursue justice uh, in a lawsuit... You know, a lawsuit's not a wrong thing. It's you trying to get what's owed to you, what's yours. But it's saying, don't do that. Why not rather suffer the wrong, the injustice? Why not rather choose to suffer this consequence that you did not earn, that you did not deserve. Why not rather be defrauded? Wow, that illuminates it even more. But you yourselves wrong and defraud, even your own brothers. So if you go after somebody for doing something against you, chances are, and probably facts are, that you've done worse Or at the very least, you've done the same thing to somebody else. So, why go after getting what's owed to you when you owe so much more? Now, here's verse 9 that I wanted to focus on. Or do you not know that the unrighteous, or the wrongdoers, is another translation of that original Koine Greek, will not inherit the kingdom of God? The wrongdoers, which the previous verse just said is everybody, we all do wrong, we all hurt each other, the wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God, do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor the idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, which the Greek term um, refers to the passive and active partners in consensual homosexual acts. I'm not even going to touch that one. You all know where I'm at on that one. Nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers. You know what? This is a wide net. This is described... I don't care who you are. I don't care what type of skeletons you have in your closet. But I guarantee that you are either sexually immoral, idolaters which, I think we need a better translation for that one, because we don't got no wooden, carved idols sitting around. Nor adulterers. Gay people, LGBTQ people. Thieves? Have you ever stolen anything? The greedy? God, yeah. Uh, me, yes. Drunkards? Sure. Revilers? I don't know what that means. Swindlers? None of them will inherit the kingdom of God. That sounds like everybody. And such were some of you. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of Christ and by the Spirit of our God. There's a lot in that one, and there's a lot of ways to approach that one. The preface is that we are all depraved, and then... The conclusion is that the depraved will not inherit the kingdom. He goes on to say, but we were washed, we were sanctified in the name of Christ. Now I'm going to move on to Titus. I want to focus on Titus chapter 2, verse 11. Again, I, I think I, should, I really didn't think this episode through, um, but now that I'm here, I think I'm going to give a little bit of context and uh, go back a little bit and give you an idea of the verses leading up to the ones um, that I kind of pulled out cuz I'm cherry picking I'm cherry picking oh boy this is oh boy here we go ay yeah. bond servants yeah that's slaves you guys I'm reading the notes down here it says slaves hi bond servants slaves are to be submissive to their own masters in everything They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering. Why can't we just say stealing? Who's a pilfer? Which info? Nicking, nicking, cause Pilfering. Come on, get out of here. Get out of here with that pilfering. But showing all good faith, so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. And here's verse 11. The grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled upright and godly lives in the present age so that little afterthought there you know that's that's a nice way to tie it up but i feel like the focal point there is verse 11 the grace of god has appeared bringing salvation for all people there's no asterisk there's no but You have to say this prayer. You have to subscribe to this set of beliefs. You have to subscribe to this specific interpretation doctrinally. That's not there. Just saying, y'all. Let's see what my old buddy Mark's got to say. So I wanted to focus on Mark 3.28. Again, I'm going to backtrack a little bit here. So let's see what we got. Mark chapter 3... If a house is divided, um, this is verse 25. If a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. That's that's some profound stuff wrapped up in that little sentence there. If a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. If you've got beef with the people in your circle or even literally in your house in your family in your community, Stuff's going to start crumbling and falling apart. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but is coming to an end. I'm not really sure what Satan is divided about. He's presented as such a monochromatic character, as such a caricature of evil incarnate. So, I'm not too sure what Satan's divided about there. Maybe that has something to do with old Lucifer, the bearer of light, but I don't know. No one can enter a strong man's house and plunder. There we go, with the plundering again. Come on. Steal. And steal. You know what? I'm revising it. Here we go. And steal his goods, unless he first binds the strong man. Then, indeed, he may plunder his house. There we go. Again, plundering, pilfering, swindling... All sorts of, uh, you know, it sounds like a, like some sort of 1950s uh, con artist or something. You know what? I, I recently read an article about this new translation of the New Testament, and I'll give it a plug. You know what? I'm, I don't have the information in front of me right now. I'm going to give it a plug here at the end of the podcast. Remind me, okay, you guys? Remind me before the podcast is over, and I'll plug it. Uh, So here we go, 28. Truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the children of man, and whatever blasphemies they utter. Let me say that again. Truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the children of man, not the children of God, not the chosen, the children of man. Humanity. And whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For, or because, they were saying, he has an unclean spirit. Now that seems jumbled to me for a number of reasons. Not only... Is there the obvious hang-up I have on the idea of any sin being unforgivable? But then it goes on to qualify it, to explain it, by saying they won't be forgiven because they... Who's they here? The person who blasphemed? They were saying he has an unclean spirit. Are they saying the Holy Spirit had an unclean spirit? Or are they saying the, the blasphemer... The one who blasphemed has an unclean spirit. Who's who's they here? I'm not. I'm not really sure what's going on there. But yeah, there we go. There's there's Mark giving us a little insight, like he tends to do. I like Mark. He's uh, kind of manic. Nothing wrong with that. We all got our challenges. All right. Uh, next, I'd like to read from Romans. And again, I'm going to give a little bit of context. I'm focusing on Romans chapter 8, verse 39, but we're going to back it up a little bit here to verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? Nothing's going to separate us from the love of Christ. Nothing. Nothing. Maybe that includes ignorance. As it's written, For your sake, we are being killed all the day long. That's got to be a metaphor because pretty sure you can't be killed continuously all day long. Anyhow. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation. That's beautiful. Anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing Will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing will be able to separate us from God's love. Gorgeous, gorgeous words. Let's go to 1 Timothy now. And I'm hopping around. Like I said, I'm cherry picking. I'm not ashamed of it. You know, uh, Jay preached a great sermon on Revolution Church podcast about uh, Jesus the cherry picker. I know that might kind of sound alarming or sound a little shocking, but he makes some great points. And, you know, when when Christ read in the synagogues, he was doing some cherry-picking and some some re-translating, some re-applying, even arguably some out-of-context applications of the scriptures that he was reading. Uh, That's not my point, though. So, 1 Timothy... Chapter 2, we're going to focus on 4. Let's go ahead and start with 1, though. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life. A peaceful and quiet life, that sounds nice. Godly and dignified in every way. I just noticed "godly" there is not capitalized. I wonder uh, if that's like a if that could be retranslated "holy." Or I'm not trying to stir stir up the pot here. I'm just I'm just curious about that because I feel like in the, in the Bible usually God in any context is is, is capitalized. But I don't know whatever. Uh, this is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior. Oh, capital G there, and Savior capital S. Who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. Let's go a little bit past four here. For there's one God, and there's one mediator between God and men. And the man, got a footnote here, let's see. Man or men, interesting, could be plural. Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, gave himself as a ransom for all. So there's a little bit of atonement theory that you could read into there. There's also some universalism you can read into there. A ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. For this I was appointed as a preacher and an apostle. I am telling the truth. I am not lying. <laughs> you're not going to say that unless somebody thinks you're lying. You're not going <laughs> I'm telling the truth. I'm not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Alright, we're going to wrap it up there with uh, that passage from 1 Timothy I think there's some dots to connect there. I also love how there's a lot of back and forth there. There seems to be like a lot of uh, debate within these passages. There's salvation for all, and then you know there's uh, the unforgivable sin. There's all this wrestling. We see this wrestling with God, with the New Testament writers, you know, and of course the Old Testament writers, of course. Um, But yeah, I I love that. I love that wrestling. It's so raw. It's so human. It's so real and human and confusing. And it's life. It's life. It's this earth that we're on. I think that there's merit in the concept that grace perfects nature. Thanks, Jason, for making me aware of that one. The Catholic belief that uh, grace perfects nature. I wonder, could that mean... Christ as a man, grace as the divine, the divine perfects the man, I don't know. But, you know, still, we're in nature, and we're in the muck of things, and there's confusion, I think, in the writers, and there's back and forth, there's, you know, you know they rebuke each other, Paul rebukes Peter, and then brags about it, kind of. Yeah, it's great. I love this book. I love the Bible. And yeah, that's all I've got to say for this episode. For this segment mini-sode. I don't know. I need a new term for it. But uh, I'm calling it Sacrilegious Sermons. And um, that'll wrap it up for this episode. I love you guys. And I will talk to you soon. Oh! Thank you for reminding me there, Edgar. Who's a real person and a real intern. Because... I'm that successful. So there's this book that is written by David Bentley Hart. It's simply titled The New Testament. And I have not read it. I really, really want to get my hands on a copy of it. be honest with you guys, I'm freaking poor right now. I'm dirt poor. Um, but... Once I have a little bit of extra change, I'm going to buy this book, The New Testament. Um, He seems like a very conservative, uh, you know, kind of mainstream Christian, which is great, and I think that that can even add to the radical nature of his translation of The New Testament. He's a super smart guy, super well-spoken, a vocabulary that'll just scramble your brain, but this guy... One of the quotes, I'm going to paraphrase from this article that I read that that interviewed him. He says, where there is poorly written Greek, I write poorly written English. And so he's emulating the vibe, the feel, the grammar, the syntax, the lack of eloquence, and the eloquence where it is found in the original writer's... And, um, I've got to, yeah, I've got to plug that book, even though I have not read it yet. Um, once I get my hands on a copy, I, I might do some, some of the sacrilegious sermons from that book. Um, but, I, like, I read a, I read an excerpt, and, uh, I think it's from Mark, who was said to, to not be extremely literate. Uh, he, not, not a great writer, uh, but it's interesting because he, like, he's switching verb tenses you know, it's grammatically incorrect, but it's true to the original text. And so, yeah, I can't wait to get my hands on a copy of that book. Um, hey, if you want to go to patreon.com slash grievances, throw me just a couple bucks a month. It would, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I hate to be uh, asking for handouts and I'm really uncomfortable with it. But um, it would help me out with resources and... With paying for, you know, it it costs money to do this podcast, to to pay for a site to host it, and all that stuff. Um, I'd hate to get to a point, and to be honest, I'm not pandering here, but it could get to a point where uh, if one month I I can't afford my payment for the the site that hosts my podcast episodes, it, it could get cut down to where I only have a few episodes up there for a little while, and I'd hate for that to happen. And I'm not putting any of this on you guys. This is 100% on me. This is my fault that I'm in this position to start with. But yeah, that's just a roundabout way for me to plug my Patreon page. Also, my Facebook page, facebook.com slash air of grievances. air of grievances.com is my website. My Twitter handle is at hog underscore cast. Please check it out. Please follow me. I also just started a new Facebook group for listeners of the podcast so you can have some discussions. Um, there's a very diverse group of people in there. It's a small group right now, but it's very diverse, and I would love to add anyone who would like to join. It is a private, closed group, so you just gotta let me know that you wanna join, and I'll put you in there. Thanks. I love you guys. I love you. Goodbye Forever I'm not dying. Oh, uh, just kidding again. I've forgotten these past couple episodes to play a voicemail uh, left by uh, my father that was uh, in response to the episode that we did entitled "Pop: Exclamation Point: Goes the Doctrine." And then there's a subtitle about something about uh, Universalism. A very interesting episode. It's uh, kind of like a real-time uh, realization in the mind of a person who is wrestling with what he believes about things. So anyhow, here is, uh, I'm going to play this voicemail and wrap up the episode. Love ya. Peace. No, don't say peace. Who says peace? Not the
1: freaking 1980s. Come on. Hey, Caleb, this is a response to episode 23, "Pop Goes the Doctrine, in which we compared universalism with um, purificationism. And uh, I wanted to highlight something we came up with afterward and and directed a little bit, and that is that being in the presence of God, as we are, even on Judgment uh, Day, that we would say uh, to him, we've become like him, obviously, to see him is to become like him. And we go, oh, man, did I mess up my life? I messed up so horribly. Uh, here's what I want, Lord, to you just to annihilate me right now. Um, that's the only way I can picture how um, we could conclude from what we said. Thanks.